재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Sign of the times are all around us and to understand what they're all about and what they mean for us we turn to Heejin Gu she's a former foreign correspondent who works as a research fellow these days for the Korean Peninsula Future Forum this is a think tank that studies future unification scenarios of the two Koreas she's very good to talk to on a whole range of subjects but especially on the kind of thing we're talking about today which is this perennial nuclear weapons predicament between South Korea North Korea, the United States, and various other players in between. Good morning, Heejin. Good morning and welcome back, Kurt. Thank you so much. It is nice to see you again. <laughs> It's good to have you back. Uh, yes. I mean, I've been watching from uh, the land of uh, that's trying to make itself great again, according to all those red hats. <laughs> and um, so it's a different perspective on a lot of issues, including uh, this North Korean nuclear thing. And uh, just as I was leaving to come back, uh, it looked like the Pompeo trip to North Korea was no longer happening, and things were beginning to sour a bit in Washington in terms of all of that optimism that was generated in Singapore in June. Let me help you get back into the groove of things in mm. Seoul. Um, so uh, talks between the U.S. and North Korea on dismantling the North Korea's uh, nuclear weapons program have stalled, as you just rightly said, in recent week. And um, both sides were voicing discontent with the other's progress in keeping their pledges uh, discussing, discussed during the uh, Singapore summit in June. Mm. Naturally, South Korean President Moon Jae-in has been caught in the middle as he prepares for his third summit with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. Now, um, There were ominous signs uh, leading up to this. Um, last week, the United Nations Command declined South Korean Unification Ministry's request to allow South Korean officials and trains through the demilitarized zone by sectoring the two Koreas. Yeah. That's a huge headline. It was. Uh, and and uh, uh, surprisingly, it got really, you know, a uh, uh, small play. Uh. The UNC oversees the uh, ceasefire agreement that ended the 1950-53 Korean War and activities within the demilitarized zone. Yeah. I mean, what I, I've seen the adjective... baffling described mm. uh, for that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, usually that would be just kind of a formality. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the UNC and uh, USFK, who's kind of in charge of all of that, would uh, fill out the paperwork and you'd have this and that traffic across the uh, DMZ. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to talk about that now or do you want to set up the whole thing with let all me, the context yeah, first? Yeah, let me just, you know, set up the context. Mm. Um, South Korean President Moon uh, announced last week, well, his office announced that uh, he will send a a special envoy to Pyongyang this week, actually this Wednesday, to discuss plans to hold a summit with Kim, as well as the current stalled discussions on okay. nuclear disarmament. Um, Moon's nat- uh, national security advisor, Chong Yi-young, will head a five-member delegation, which will include South Korea's spy chief, So Hun. Um, and they will head to Pyongyang on Wednesday, as I said. Um, the move comes amid concerns over the uh, nuclear talks, um, North Korea, as well as North Korea's preparations for its 70th anniversary of its founding on September 9th, and also a possible visit by Chinese leader Xi Jinping to Pyongyang. I to had mark- read some uh, allusions of... 
army involvement there too. <laughs> PLA involvement. Ooh, let's uh, let's calm down okay. from there. Uh, mark the occasion. So his first visit, and that would be his first visit to his to the reclusive state uh-huh. in his presidency. So um, there has been a. a a number of factors that have been piling up leading up to the the um the summit that is planned for this month um and the frustrations have been mounting ever since um Trump nixed uh Pompeo's trip to Pyongyang as you pointed out Last week, Trump ordered a Secretary of State uh, Mike Pompeo to delay his trip and he laid the blame on China. Yeah. Again. Uh, Trump believes that Beijing is not doing its part in the denuclearization process because of the ongoing trade war with yeah. Washington. Um, the proposed trip would have been the fourth for Pompeo and would have marked Stephen Began's diplomatic debut as State Department's top negotiator to North Korea. Yeah. Um, so... Let's look at why why this uh, uh, delay happened. Well, there were just to, in in passing, I want to mention because this came out while I was away as well. The tweet from Trump to the effect of, "You know, we got to resolve these trade issues with China before we do denuclearization." And I said, "Wow, that kicks it half a century down the road, doesn't it? You know, mm-hmm. um, which we can't afford to do. We cannot uh, mix matters and and have it." solve themselves out right. as as you know uh, okay in business that works in politics right. not so much so it seems president trump wanted to kill numerous birds with just one single stone mm. and what a stone and by calling off the trip trump wanted to prevent yet another round of talks in which secretary pompeo would have returned empty-handed Now, Reuters reported that North Korea basically told Pompeo in a very strongly worded letter that unless the U.S. has something to offer, don't bother coming. What do you interpret something to offer to mean? Loosening sanctions? We are going to discuss that. So by nixing the trip, Trump uh, circumvents giving fodder for his critics at home who have blasted uh, Trump's Singapore summit with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un as a farce. And it would also prevent yet another round of dissatisfied reports from North Korea claiming that the US was demanding more for offering less. Mm. Plus, he also gets to put China under the bus yet again. Um, You may remember from our earlier segment about this very issue that U.S. has slapped uh, tariffs on fifty U.S. $50 billion worth of Chinese imports so far, with another $200 billion in the pipeline that could take effect as early as this month. China has retaliated with equal tariffs and pledged further measures. And this is only likely to escalate further after the two sides failed to make a progress on negotiations last month. Mm-hmm. So he also may have wanted to issue a stern warning to Chinese President Xi Jinping, who was reported to be heading to Pyongyang, as I pointed out. Um, Trump further slammed China in a series of tweets, as you pointed out. North Korea is under tremendous pressure from China because of our major trade disputes with Chinese, uh, gov- with the Chinese government, Trump said in that tweet. At the same time, we also know that China is providing North Korea with considerable aid 
including uh, money, fuel, fertilizer, and various other commodities. This is not helpful, exclamation mark. Well, Trump, you know, it's Trump is a moody tweeter. We all know that. (laughs) Uh, From day to day, he will say things that uh, are very different from the day before. So let's leave that on one burner. And I want to I want to get back to Xi Jinping going to these Foundation Day celebrations. Do you interpret that as something of a tit for tat in the the trade war and the friction between China and the United States? Or is it completely separate? Is it just purely ceremonial or... Well, uh, we don't know whether it's going to happen or not. It was okay. just speculation so far, uh, 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 given by a uh, outlet, media outlet. But... Uh, the speculation was founded on uh, Chinese officials going to Beijing to discuss, uh, sorry, uh, uh, going to Pyongyang, sorry, to discuss uh, s- several aspects, I guess. It is very unknown what uh, discussions were taking place in Pyongyang. But the speculation was because of this upcoming sep- September 9th Foundation Day parade and her celebrations, that Xi Jinping was going to North Korea. But this is on the back burner at this at this moment. If Mike Pompeo had gone to Pyongyang and there had been a little bit of a progress in the nuclear uh, negotiations front, that would have been possible. But think about this. If Xi Jinping were to go to uh, Pyongyang at this moment... Um, standing side by side with Kim Jong-un, watching a military parade, that would be an in-your-face to President be, Trump. I've got this guy's back. Look at, look at you know, uh, <laughs> I've got this kid, you know. I'm, I've, uh, it's taking sides. Mm-hmm. It's taking sides. Well, it's and not it, and just, in the, it, it's just the, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because China has always been a, a traditional ally to North Korea. Yes. And at the same time with Trump... Uh, like uh, pumping up the hostile treat, uh, tweets against China for, and for Xi Jinping to go to Pyongyang, that would be a sort of uh, a quiet in your face. Mm. So um, uh, I don't know whether that is go- uh, possible because this has, uh, again, as I said, there has been no formal announcement by Beijing as of yet. So uh, coming back to those tweets, you know, usually China would have been, you know, like laughed it off and, you know, kept right. quiet about it. This time, Ch- Beijing uh, responded. responded. It bogged at the tweets um, and it gave a very snide remark. Um, it says that Beijing's policies on North Korea are, quote, clear, consistent and stable, un- uh, unlike some. Um, and, um, uh, quote, in the face of difficulties, the U.S. should look to itself for reasons and reflection, foreign ministry spokeswoman uh, Hua Chunying said. As to the U.S. buck-passing behavior, sorry, China won't take the blame. Mm. So um, let's t- look at why this uh, has been um, uh Happening. Let's talk about North Korea's, you know, uh, frustrations. Let's say. Let's step into North Korea's shoes for a moment. Mm-hmm. Okay. The true blame may be found in Trump's casual approach to negotiations with the North Koreans. 
and the vague oral promises exchanged at his meeting with the North Korean leader during the Singapore summit. Now, there have been reports from Washington that uh, Trump told Kim Jong-un in Singapore in June that he would sign a declaration to end the Korean War soon after their meeting. Uh, Trump promised as much to Kim Kim Yong-chol, a a chief uh, North Korean official and top aide to Kim Jong-un 11 days before the summit, according to Vox. Mm. So, when the State Department, namely Pompeo, visited Pyongyang following the summit and repeatedly demanded that North Korea surrender as much as 70% of its nuclear warheads in eight months, North Koreans replied, Where's the end of the Korean War we were promised? Now, this is according to the the several reports. Um, Washington wants the North, uh, North Koreans to, to make bolder steps towards denuclearization, such as revealing a full inventory of its nuclear assets and starting to dismantle some of them. North Korea has said it would move towards denuclearization only in phases and insists on simultaneous reciprocal concessions from Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, the Vox report has all, uh, more or less been corroborated by South Koreans as uh, as well. Uh, so Hun, uh, who is among the five-member delegations that's heading to Pyongyang on Wednesday. He's the director of South Korea's National Intelligence Service, and he told uh, a group of lawmakers in a closed-door parliamentary hearing that Pompeo's trip was cancelled, quote-unquote, because North Korea's demand for the end-of-war declaration clashed with the U.S. urging that uh, denuclearization be declared first, First. according to... uh, I mean, we've been looking at these things, Heejin, for years, 10 years, a decade or more. Sequencing has always been at the heart. You know, what? who does what first? Yeah, but uh, the thing is, Trump apparently gave his oral He gave away the store. Right. Yeah. And a lot of people were predicting that. They said that Trump is not the most savvy international relations scholar, to put it mildly. And so for him to sit across from a table with Kim Jong-un, he was pulling this out of his pocket, you know. Um, And uh, I fully believe he he made verbal promises at that table, wrote checks that he may or may not have been able to cash. Well, uh, this would have, again, this could have worked in a business environment. But uh, talking about a denuclearization process between North Korea and the U.S., it's a, a very dodgy situation uh-huh. that we have here. Um, so uh, he could have exercised a bit more discretion yeah. um, uh, than, you know, uttering those words out loud. And this was the 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 chorus before Trump went to Singapore was you don't know the gravity of what you're doing. You know, you're going in there like a cowboy or like a like you're negotiating drywall for a for a, a skyscraper hotel, you know, and playing fast and loose. Yeah. And this makes sense. Uh, uh, this makes more sense because after the summit, North Korea kept on uh, harping on about the end of the uh, the Korean War, the dec- end of a declaration yeah. to end the Korean War. And we were saying, where does the, why does North Korea keep on harping about this? If that report is true this is the basis mm. this was the basis so so why the, the, we now come to the the question why is there such a gripe 
about ending the Korean War and ending the Korean War is uh, ending any war. Yeah, is the, is good, right? Yeah, I don't know. Um, nobody likes war. Nobody wants to perpetuate war. But that phrase, ending the Korean War or declaring an end to the Korean War, has so much baked into it. It is. It um, does. You know, I mean, it's a catchphrase. Frankly, for the progressives and for those who are a little bit more sympathetic to the North Korean point of view to say this war must end, you know, who mm-hmm. doesn't like to hear that? Yes. A declaration to an end of war would signal an end to hostilities between the two Koreas and between North Korea and the U.S. So everybody would love it in, our, in the idea itself. Mm. Um, but it would It would be only a first step towards a full peace treaty involving the complete denuclearization on the Korean peninsula. And the naysayers, let's talk about the naysayers. Um, Signing such an agreement would give the North Koreans too great a reward without securing any real progress on dismantling their nuclear program and could ultimately undermine the U.S. and South Korean military alliance. It would also give premise to easing sanctions by the U.N. Security Council against North Korea regarding the nuclear program. and it's the keystone on an avalanche, basically. Mm, mm. Uh, if you declare the war over, which sounds nice, but it has a bazillion ramifications, the USFK basically becomes a, a color guard in, uh, in South Korea. Mm-hmm. And um, there's not a lot of point on paper, in theory, mm-hmm. for USFK or the alliance to remain in place because mm-hmm. the war is over. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has a lot of downstream effects. You, mm. know? you may argue for those or against those. But um, that kind of brings it full circle to what President Moon is dealing with here, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Um, You know, which lever do we pull first? And uh, where does uh, President Moon interpolate himself between these various players? Right now, the U.S. is at a stalemate, is holding fast to its demands. North Korea is holding fast to its demands. And at the same time, North Korea is busy uh, preparing for its uh, September 9th uh, Foundation Day celebrations. It's the 70th anniversary of the foundation. Um, it's it's an important event um, and it will likely mark the event, possibly uh, with a larger uh, uh, scale uh, military parade. And this is according to 38, 38 North, a US website monitoring the regime. Satellite images from mid-August show a high level of activity at the Miriam Park training ground um, according to the Stimson Center uh, think tank project. Mm-hmm. Um, although there has been no sighting as yet uh, of the um, unmanned aerial vehicles or um, missile launchers or ICBMs uh, noticeable during in the images, uh, it looks to be the parade is going to be significant. Well, everybody will read tea leaves. What are they showing? How big are the rockets that they're wheeling along? And what are they allegedly capable of doing? So we'll have to kind of wait for for the parade to see that. But um, as time catches up with us a little bit, I I did want to get back to specifically President Moon and what he is thinking of doing. He kind of alluded to that mm-hmm. in uh, Liberation Day celebrations, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We have to keep in mind um, that... Uh, 
uh, Moon has declared that he w- is willing to take a more active role in the process, in the denuclearization process. Let's look at a clip. Let's play back a clip from his speech from the August 15th Liberation Day. Loosely translated, it means, I believe in the importance of recognizing that we are protagonists in Korea Peninsula-related issues. Developments in inter-Korean relations are not the by-effects of progress in the relationship between North and in, between the North and the United States. Rather, advancement in inter-Korean relation is the driving force behind denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. Of course, I, he would say that. I, of course. And I think if you ran it past a KCNA copy editor, they'd say, great, go with it. <laughs> exactly. Right? <laughs> that is uh, that is rip and read well, North Korea sentiment, is it? Is well, it not? I'm well, not saying that President Moon is North Korea sympathetic and don't don't jump down my throat. But this is a very North Korea friendly view. Well, this is a 우리 민족끼리 kind of a view uh, our, uh, of ourselves, mm. our people are by ourselves. But you have to keep in mind, North Korea doesn't want South Korea to be included in this, in its one-on-one discussion with the U.S. regarding the nuclear issue. Uh-huh. At the same time, it still wants Moon to play the role of facilitator and mediator to persuade the U.S. to live up to its promises to declare an end to the Korean War and, you know, ease sanctions, all the promises that it uh, that uh, President Trump gave during his June summit in Singapore. I dare say that a, in a previous era, in a different era, under uh, other-oriented uh, leadership, you might have heard something to the effect of, you know, we need n- absolutely no air between the position of the United States and North Korea because we are both liberal democracies dealing with a totalitarian system that uh, that threatens its its neighbors as a systematic, you know, uh, strategy. Yeah, and, and Moon finds himself uh, between a rock and a hard place. If Moon pushes ahead with South Korea's cooperative projects with North Korea without any progress on denuclearization, he runs the risk of creating, or to some, even deepening a rift with Washington, Seoul's most important ally. Yeah, and we've had these really two curious headlines, which we can't go into super depth right now, but we've we've talked about it in various ways on this program. The coal that has been showing up in South Korea, and now this train that USFK kind of put a speed bump and said, no, you can't cross to do this train survey. I'm beginning to wonder if there are little indications of friction between uh, North Korea and South Korea. If these are little, you know, uh, if perhaps that USFK thing was a bit of a message to South Korea to say, you know, don't you skirt sanctions and we can make certain things difficult as well. But that is wild speculation on my part. I will admit <laughs> it. And we can maybe um, talk about it in the context of future signs of the times, especially when that foundation parade happens. I think uh, there will be interesting things. I'll see you soon, Heej. Thanks for coming in. Thank you.